Well, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Events with Benefits. Our podcast is designed to help nonprofit organizations like yours raise more money and achieve greater success at your fundraising events. Uh, let me just say that today's episode is brought to you by um, a good friend, Danny Hooper, who you just heard. Uh, Danny Hooper is a professional fundraising auctioneer and the author of a best-selling book. If you haven't checked it out, you definitely should. It's called Easy Money, How to Re- Generate Record Profits at Your Next Fundraising Auction Event. And you can find it on Amazon by searching for Danny Hooper or go to dannyhooper.com. I highly recommend it. Well, thanks. And that was my co-host, Ian Loth, the vice president, no less, of marketing here at Winspire. And uh, Winspire are just unbelievable. They're, uh, they specialize in providing high-end travel experiences. And when I say high-end, that doesn't necessarily mean expensive, but it means really rare and difficult to uh, to find travel experiences. Hot sellers at live auctions, they come with absolutely no risk at all because you only pay for the trips that raise money at your event. And to find out more about Winspire, go to winspireme.com and you'll uh, see everything that you need to know about Winspire. And our fellow co-host on the show and the founder of Events yeah. with Benefits from Donation Match, here's Renee Zell. Hi, thanks for uh, co-hosting with me and, and uh, agreeing to do this. Yeah. Now, tell us a little bit about Donation Match. Well, so DonationMatch.com is my platform that really um, was built to solve the how do I get stuff for my auctions and raffles uh, dilemma. So we basically aggregate companies who need help handling your donation requests, put them all in one place so that you can reach them with a single application. All right. Boy, we hear a lot of good things about Donation Match. We yeah. do. We have got a firecracker of a guest today. We're going to go to one of my favorite cities in North America, Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. and one of the top auctioneers, not just in Texas, but in the entire country. We call her TK, and her name is Tawana Kenny. I just had the chance to spend some time with Tawana in St. Petersburg at the Benefit Auctioneer Summit, and this gal is a go-getter. She is, yeah. She um, actually just fairly recently started up her practice as an auctioneer. And um, for being so new onto the scene, I could not believe uh, the depth of her knowledge um, as a benefit auctioneer. She's an absolute pro, um, you know, knows the ins and outs of uh, everything from procurement, pre-planning to the flow of the event, how it should go. Uh, you can tell that she's very articulate and knows how to uh, to really hold a room with a microphone, which I was just very impressed with her. I can't wait to meet her in person someday. Um, very, very excited to share with us, you guys. And we're going to learn about confetti cannons. So sit back, get ready for the ride, and uh, let's join TK right now. Well, on this episode of Events with Benefits, we take our listeners all the way to one of my favorite cities in the world, and that is Austin, Texas. And we're joined today by Tawana Kenny. She is the owner and founder of Astounding Auctions and Fundraising Strategies. Tawana, great to have you with us here on the show. How are you? I'm wonderful and so glad to be here. Well, good. You've had a a busy day flying already. Of course, uh, the show is recorded by the time the people listen to this. So we'll have already been to the Benefit Auction Summit in St. Petersburg, Florida. And I was just with you there yesterday. And it was fabulous, wasn't it? Well, it was. You know, I was talking to my co-hosts here, Ian and Renee, about the importance of the Benefit Auctioneer Summit. And, And I think we really need to underscore with our listeners the investment that professional fundraising or benefit auctioneers make in 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 to themselves and into this business, and we spend not only a lot of money but a lot of our time, you know, working on the continuing education. And I I thought this year's summit was excellent. How about you? 
I thought that it was phenomenal, and I'm not biased because I was on the committee. Oh, I didn't know. I did. I did not know you were on the committee, but uh, yeah, good on you. I thought it was a good one this year. We had some excellent uh, presenters, and it, it, there's always, you know, the fundraising world is changing like everything else in the world at such a fast pace. Uh, it's at times feels overwhelming and hard to stay on top of what the latest trends are and to know what direction we should be moving things. And what were some of your uh, what were some of your takeaways from this year's summit? Do you think? Anything that really you know, surprised you? There were tons of surprises. And the part that was most impactful for me, Danny, was Chief McLean. He did a survey. So we have data on what other benefit auctioneers are doing across the country. And it was so eye-opening to see how there's impacts and where the special appeal happens and in what order we're doing our live auction and if we're taking breaks in the middle. It was such a wealth of information that we can now use and go and make our clients that much better when we're helping them plan and consult on their events. Great. Well, we'll get into all that here in the next few minutes. Let's maybe start by taking a a little look at your history and how did you get into this business? And maybe you can tell us a bit about your company, Astounding Auctions and Fundraising Strategies. Absolutely. So I If you would have told me five years ago that I would be a fundraising auctioneer, a benefit auctioneer, any type of auctioneer, I would not have believed you. But I went through a program called Leadership Austin in 2013, and we do a talent show at the very end of the nine-month program at our retreat. I have no talents that I can show. I can do taxes like nobody's business, and I can cook like a pro, but nobody (laughs) could see me do that. But I talked really fast, and so I was like, I can goof off, and I can go up there and pretend to be an auctioneer, and let me Google what auctioneers say. That turned (laughs) into a full-on auction because there were so many other people that had no talent. And they were like, I don't have a talent, but I do have a pool. I don't have a talent, but I can cook the heck out of some tacos. We ended up raising $8,000 for Leadership Austin scholarships for people who otherwise would not be able to attend the program. And they actually paid the money. It was phenomenal. From that, many of my classmates, there are 60 people that attend every year. Many of my classmates sit on on boards throughout Central Texas and especially in the greater Austin area. And one of my classmates said, hey, will you come to an auction for us? We've never had one and we want to do this. And I was like, girl, no, I was just playing. I don't know how to do that. That was, that was all a joke. <laughs> and she talked me into it, told me it was going to be small. It turned out it was at the Bob Bullock Texas State History Museum, right behind the Texas State Capitol. And I boohoo cried because I was like, I'm going to ruin this. They're not going to raise any money. We raised $57,000 against wow. their $10,000 goal, and it was phenomenal. I was wow. hooked went to auction school as quick as I could. <laughs> what a great story. Hey, TK, we, everybody calls you TK. Of course, your name is Tawana Kenny, but but the, your friends call you TK, so if, if it's all right, that's what we'll call you. Um, what were you doing before you became an auctioneer? Were you an accountant? I was not an accountant, but I worked in the financial services industry, and I actually had 20 years in financial service industry, and I started at 17 years old, and it was phenomenal, and I loved it. And found ways to touch lives even there, but this was so much more fun. <laughs> yeah, well, this this is a, a very very fun business for sure. Well, let's get back to uh, business today and what it looks like for you and how you've grown your company. Uh, when did you start your company? And, and let's take a look at, at that for a moment. 
So astounding auctions and fundraising strategies. We started in 2016 and initially it was just me, but along the way I had some fanatical and just amazing auctioneers that would come and help me ring. And because I like fun, when I'm there, I oftentimes invite the auctioneer, my guest auctioneer ringman to sell an item. And there was one time where Heather Casper and Maggie May, they were with me and we rotated. The audience loved it. They just thought it was fabulous, different chance. And so now my company consists of myself, Maggie May, and Heather Casper. And I also brought in Sandy Schmidt, who is my extraordinaire when it comes to anything styling and design. And she is also a consulting pro. So she helps me with my consultations. Wow, that sounds like a great combination. Now, you haven't been in business all that long, but what an incredible amount of growth. How many events a year are you doing uh, right now? The other thing I I wanted to touch on was, are you able to, because we get listeners on our podcast from all across the states, all across North America, are you able to work in areas outside of uh, Texas? Yes, and so... My company, we are based in Texas, and I'm licensed here. The amazing thing about being licensed in Texas is that we have reciprocity with numerous other states across the United States. There are some states that do not require licenses, but they do require bonding. So I can work um, pretty much anywhere, but I do ask for at least a three-month lead time because what that allows me to do is to make sure that I'm compliant with your state policies, and that's important to me as a benefit auctioneer specialist. I want to make sure I represent myself and my client at the best of my ability. And as you travel into other jurisdictions and other markets, do you notice a difference in the nature of the audiences at fundraising events, or are these events pretty similar? They are similar, but there are some distinct differences. You know, I went out to New York, and I was working there for a weekend worth of events, and one was in New York, one was in Connecticut, and the other one was in Long Island. And such a different atmosphere between the audiences and how they respond. I'm in the South, I'm in Texas, so I'm a little touchy-feely. So I like to pat and do high fives, but in New York, that's not necessarily what they like to do and they take their bidding really seriously. Hmm. In Texas, we're a little more relaxed. I've been in Denver and I love working with clients who have not typically done a benefit auction at all in their events and that was our experience there so we had to teach that audience what it looked like and how they do a benefit auction because one of my passions is working with the minority communities because I'm the only African-American woman that's a benefit auctioneer specialist in the country really wow that's that's pretty interesting yeah yeah very cool. I didn't. So, yeah, I didn't realize that. Um, let's uh, suppose for a minute that I'm a nonprofit. I want to plan an event, and I call you, and I say I think I'm ha- about having a benefit auction. Where Where do you start? I start with a questionnaire. I want I want to know what your needs are, and as benefit auctioneer specialists, we're consultants, right? So I want you to tell me about your event and its history so I can learn where your pain points are and solve them. And oftentimes, I love asking open-ended questions because you can hear a lot of emotion in the voice and hear the details behind what's been happening. 
So with that being the fact, as I ask those open-ended questions, I get that information. I can find your pain points. No one wants someone to just come in and tell you what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. They want me to come in and know how I can help them. And that's what that question period allows me to do. What are the most common pain points that you, that you hear? Uh, most common pain points, rowdy audiences. They don't pay attention. How do we keep them calm? Super common. And then checkout is a major pain point. Hmm. How do we keep our guests happy? How do we take that moment from where they were high in the clouds, donating and loving us to, oh my gosh, I have to spend this long line. And how can we make them feel good? Mm-hmm. How about uh, selling tickets to events, uh, building your audience, getting the right people into the room? Grassroots organizations definitely have that issue. And the most important thing that I tell them in that case, if you want me to answer um, to that part, my advice to them is find out who you really identify with and go to your audience. Don't try to make yourself something that you're not in the hopes of building this great audience. Get raving fans. That's the number one goal. We want to raise money and have raving fans who bring in more dollars to you because they're going to do the hard work while you're in there building your programs, processes, and updating and developing who you are. Great answer. I'm, I'm all about developing the audience. Uh, this is, uh, TK, this is Ian at Winspire here. Because um, so much of it is about getting the right butts in seats, right? The right people who are going to engage in your fund and your special people or special people, special appeal. It's special people who yeah. participate in your special appeal, um, and and also bidding <laughs> bidding on your your live auction items, right? What are some kind of tactics that you can maybe recommend to our audience that uh, can really help them um, go out and get the right people? Is it about networking? Is it about uh, going to certain community events? What are uh, you know things that they could do to try to recruit the, those folks? Well, maybe, I don't know. I'm, there's Danny here. Maybe we just need to back this conversation up a little bit. And before, you, before maybe you start thinking about how to get the right people into the room, maybe we have to have a conversation around how do you build an exciting fun-oriented event True. that people are going to want to attend. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. What, what advice do you have there, TK? Start with the end in mind. What do you want people to walk away with your, with your event in mind? When they leave and they say, I attended Dan's Foundation's fundraiser, what do we feel? They had a good time. So what does a good time look like for our audience? Because a good time for an audience that's made up of people in their 60s is totally different from an audience in their 30s. So how are we going to make them, again, the raving fan? Do we include a band? Do we make sure our items are perfectly pinpointed to the trends that are happening in our community? Do we have a hot new fashion designer? Are we experiencing a great boom with our food culture? Are we a concert-heavy city? Are we going to give the people what they want? And are we going to make it entertaining? Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you've heard me talk about that before, and we talk about that here at Winspire, that an event has to be entertaining, needs to engage your audience, and finally you need to extract the money. And it's impossible to do the big extraction unless you've got the first two E's covered off, uh, for sure. So what are some of the more exciting events that, uh, that you've helped your clients to build? One of my most exciting events was in Midland, Texas. And Midland, Texas sounds just like it is. It's in the middle of the land of Texas. There's nothing out there but oil pumps and wind turbines. It's literally in the middle of nowhere. And they weren't using benefit auctioneer specialists. They were just hiring their local auctioneer that came in who 
worked in the cattle field or selling heavy equipment. This year, they were looking for something different, and they found my company. We came in, and we took their energy up 50-fold. We had confetti cannons to make sure we celebrated our audience. Whenever <laughs> someone won, they got it. a confetti cannon. At the end of the night, we were auctioning off confetti cannons because people just wanted a <laughs> confetti cannon. You know, like just bring one to our table. We incorporated music, so every time we sell fold and we're getting that confetti cannon over there, we're dancing, and the audience is clapping in the air like we're at a concert. I like total audience engagement and involvement, and it was really interesting because they had about 650 people there split between two different rooms with a te- uh, with a monitor. Oh, and no. Both rooms that's, an celebrating. That's, that's an auctioneer's nightmare. It is, but it wasn't for them because they everything was new to them. They didn't know about the special appeal. They didn't know about any of the revenue enhancers. So every time we brought them an idea, they were just like, that's fabulous and so much fun. And the audience, they loved it. I could, I could not get out of the room that night because they were like, you know, this was such a great experience. And I don't attribute that to me. I attribute that to my peers who share their information so freely. So we can't all go forth and just make our clients have an amazing time with the skills that we have. Wow, so good to hear that, uh, those words spoken. Uh, it's a common thread here on our podcast, and, and I think that's what makes this podcast as successful as it has been and continues to be, uh, is the fact that people just so openly share information and we're all transparent about our business and there really are no secrets. And those that tend to keep their their so-called secrets hidden away from everybody else, they tend to suffer eventually. So it's there nothing new really out there and there are no secrets, but Let's talk right now about, um, you said something interesting a couple minutes ago. You said extra revenue enhancers. And what are some of the ones that have worked well for you? Well, I was reading a book on the way back from the summit, Danny. And I was so excited reading this book. It's called Easy Money, and it's written by a Danny Hooper. (laughs) Oh, you read it. Well, that's good. (laughs) I, I did. And in the book, he's shared so many, but one of my favorites, And I remember the first time he shared it is the wild card, because there are many places that don't know what to get for their auction. They're like, I have no idea. This is our first time. Or we're a small town and we don't have anything that people want to do here. They do it all already. And that wild card auction is a game changer, especially for a grassroots organization, whether they're located in the city or in a rural environment because you're able to tap into your market and see what people are interested in. So you're doing two things. One, you're getting exciting items. And then on the other side, you're also getting data because you're seeing what they want based on what they're telling you they have. I love wildcard. Before we move on real quick, can you just say real quick what the wildcard is? Of course. So you have your clients or your guests come into your gala and you have brightly colored index cards on the table and your auctioneer, which would be me, says, ladies and gentlemen, we have such an exciting night planned for you. And we want to hear from you and see and give everyone an opportunity to participate, participate tonight. Are there any amazing items that you wish that you were able to donate to this auction this evening? If so, write them down on that highlighted paper that you have there on that index card. And we're going to have our bid spotters bring those up to the front. We're going to go through those items And then we're going to select a few and sell them to you. So pick your biggest, 
your brightest, your most dynamic experience, things that you may not even have thought about before you came in here tonight or when I first asked, but nothing's off the table. Be big, be bold, and write it down. Wow, I love it. Uh-huh. Wow, you should have helped me write that book, TK. <laughs> Why didn't you call me, Danny? <laughs> well, I'd, I'll certainly call you next time for sure. But I'll tell you, that wild card, I'm glad that you've been having great results with it. I, I started the wild card probably about oh, maybe eight or nine years ago, and I know I've generated well over a million dollars just in wild card donations. And we've seen everything donated from... People who have vacation homes, vacation properties, they donate them. We've had local ranchers and farmers donate sides of beef cut and wrap for the freezer. I even had a doctor in a northern Canadian community donate a free vasectomy. Believe it or not, it sold for $3,800. So uh, you see, that's the exciting thing about the wild card. You never know what is going to come up, uh, but it's always entertaining and always fun, and, and it certainly does extract a lot of unexpected money. It's like finding money on the floor, so I'm glad it's been working for you, TK. Um, let's go to special appeals now. You, you mentioned special appeals, and this is also referred to in some markets, as we know, uh, as a fund a need, fund an item, uh, cash appeal, paddle raise. Maybe you can just walk us through how important you think the special appeal is at an event, and at what point during the evening or during the event do you introduce it? Really good question there, Danny. And after the summit, so many new ideas. How I typically do a special appeal is custom. I don't do it the same way every single time because my audience is different. Let's say that I have an event where I like to call it a social event where your audience isn't captive. They're moving about throughout the night. I want to get my special appeal done as soon as possible because the longer people are standing and moving around, the more they start to feel like it's a party and the harder it is to get them to remain captive in that standing environment. Sooner is better. If I have a small auction three to five items. I love doing a special appeal at the end. Mm-hmm. If I have a larger item of 12 I- or a larger auction of 12 items, then I'll put it somewhere in the middle, right. you know, right and right towards when we're coming down from that curve, that bell curve. Yeah. So let's talk about how you set that up. Then suppose you have a 12 item auction, you've sold six items. And when you're referring to the bell curve, we should probably explain to our listeners what we mean when we talk about the bell curve is that your most expensive items in your live auction should be placed up at the top of that that bell. And the reason for that is if you have a particularly valuable item, a higher priced item, suppose it's a safari to Africa, you don't want to leave that until your very last item. Reason being that that you've got maybe four or five people in the room waiting to bid on that African safari and only one person is going to be successful. And if it's the last auction in the item, the other four have nothing left to spend their money on. They've been hanging on to the money, but the auction's now over. So that's why we tend to recommend that you put the expensive items at the top of the curve. So now how would you break that? You've sold five or six items. How would you make that break and transition into the special appeal or the cash appeal? Ladies and gentlemen, or friends, friends of Fabretto, let's take a break because I need you guys to be ready for these next few items. They're super exciting. Let's take a break. And we're going to hear from one of our wonderful clients about their experience in working with Fabretto. Give them all of your attention because we have to remember why we are here tonight. It's about them and the children. Wow, you're really good. I love it. <laughs> I see she is. You're really good. 
Well, it's good, and it's the community. You know, and again, folks, you know, those listening to the to the podcast today, this is the value that you get when you hire a professional benefit auctioneer. These are people who are trained uh, communicators. They know how to be succinct. They know how to get the message across. And more importantly, I think, and, and this applies to most all of the certified benefit auctioneer specialists, is we know how to trigger the emotion in the crowd. And once you have them triggered, the, the emotions triggered, now it's much easier to open the wallets. Would you agree? I agree. And catch them in that moment. Do not let them write it down so they have buyer's remorse. Catch them right then and there in the moment. What are some of the most successful cash appeals or special appeals that you've conducted? What kinds of dollars have you seen have you seen this activity generate from your experience? My highest special appeal so far has been nine hundred and seventy eight thousand dollars. Wow. And we did this to wait to raise money for equine therapy for a center in Marble Falls, Texas. And they believed in the mission. And I will tell you, it wasn't just about what I said. It was about the pre-planning that came into it. Because we're not going to show up that night and raise that kind of money. Mm-hmm. There was a, an elaborately done video that pinpointed everything that they do. And it was succinct. It wasn't a 10-minute video. It was exactly three minutes and 22 seconds. Mm, But there was never a time where you pulled your eyes away from the screen. They told you a story and took you on a journey, so you felt like you were part of the experience. Mm -hmm. I coach my donors, or I coach all of my organizations to be donor-centric in their language, not to say donors like you, but, or we did this. No, you did this. Mm. You helped us get this done. You made that possible. We didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And that's the language I coached them to have because that keeps you in that moment of the heartstrings and the compelling, oh, my gosh, I can't help but not do this. Yeah. How long did it take you to raise? That was almost a million dollars you raised. How long did that activity take? That activity was four minutes. Oh, were you driving home? I have a question. Were you driving home that night going, I need to start charging commission? <laughs> In that moment, I I need to charge commission. I need to have had a camera crew there. I so I many things in that moment. Oh, that that's <laughs> funny. Uh, what are some of the hot auction items? We're moving. Uh, you know, the, the time is flying by. People's tastes are changing, and as we discussed at length at the Benefit Auctioneer Summit in St. Petersburg here over the past few days, uh, we see the audiences transitioning now to where the longtime supporters, just because of the whole baby boom, that that whole curve, they're kind of moving through and people who you've been able to rely on for many, many years as, as, as your donors, now they're aging and they're becoming a little less active. They're not coming out to the events and participating at the levels that they once did. So we're talking to a younger audience now. And what are some of your thoughts on transitioning and appealing now to these millennials how do we get them out to the events? How do we get them to open their wallets? Uh, given that so many of them are still living at home with their parents, we have to assume that we have, we have to assume that they have some some disposable income. And if you go into any restaurant any weeknight and see the twenty year olds and the thirty year olds that are out there spending big money on dinners and drinks, you know they've got money. So how do we get them into the how do we get them into the rooms at these events, and how do we get them to open their wallets? You have to know your audience. Millennials will give gladly. You know, they are one of the most 
active generations that we've had, and they're involved and they're passionate. But what they want is different. They don't want to just hear your words. They want to see your words. They want to be a part, and you have to bring them in. Letting them see what you do and asking them to join you in it, come out and volunteer. Come be a part of this. That's where their dollars are going. You can tell them all day from the stage, and they're sitting there like, oh, yeah, sure they do. That sounds really good. I'll believe it when I see it. So what we have a responsibility to do is make sure our clients let them see it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the things, you know, we had one of our guests on one of one episode say that one of the neat things that millennials enjoy at these events is craft beer. You know, that if you're having an event and you're having a craft beer tasting, that will help draw younger people to your events. Have you had any experience with what's bringing younger people out to the event? We know that they want to have fun. That is something that has always been and always will be. That's never going to change. And given that the millennials are going to come out something that they know it's going to be a lot of fun, what are some of the other recommendations you might have for our listeners? Getting a dynamic speaker that ties to your organization. So if you have supporters, let's say that you're HRC, Let's get a public LGBT member of the community that people want to see and that's in high demand to come. They'll come out to be in a room that's intimate with a dynamic speaker and presenter. Um, Any celebrities, bands are a big deal. Also, we love live music Hmm. and getting them there to say, after this, you're going to have this great concert. And I've also been morphing a lot of my audiences when they do, or a lot of my clients when they're bringing in a strong band to have an after hours where they open it up, clear the tables and sell more tickets post gala, you know, and that's another revenue enhancer. You paid all this money to get this performer. Let's make a little bit more money and then turn it into a concert. But that's what millennials I see that they like. And also once they're part of the organization and they've seen the work that you do, they will bring their friends and they'll come in. Even if that's not what's happening they just want to be impassioned, and it's our responsibility to do that for them. Yeah. It was uh, interesting at the at the Benefit Auctioneer Summit Conference here in St. Petersburg. We had one of our uh, fellow auctioneers, a young lady, 27 years old. She stood up and she said, I'll tell you what I think millennials want. She said, I've surveyed all of my friends, and what we're looking for when it comes to the live auction is we want travel experiences. And is, is, are you noticing that as well in the events that you're doing, Tawana? Absolutely. The younger audience, they're moving every year because that's how they get cheaper rent. If I move apartments <laughs> to this new apartment, we get cheaper rent. They don't want to carry all that stuff with them. You know, they're not buying the yearbooks like they used to. I mean, I still have all of my yearbooks in the house, but that's not a thing. There's so many ways to stay connected now. They don't want their old letterman's jacket. Being lighter, being more transportable is important and you can transport an experience because you have the memories, you have the photos in your phone or in the cloud somewhere. And we need to give them that ability. And if you do want to offer an item that's tangible, make sure it's the right one for your cause. Great, great points. Um, and do what do you, what are your thoughts or experiences with getting travel procured? I, I mean, here at Winspire, we, uh, you know, we want to help nonprofits with getting those kind of more difficult to uh, procure experiences and travel packages. Um, you know, do you have any tips for the procurement side? And then, uh, as a follow up, uh, what has your experience been with with offering consignment? Great question, Ian. I always advise my clients to try and procure as many items as they can with the assistance. Winspire has a wealth of 
blogs and articles on how to get great items for your auction before you go to consignment, which is what I really love and appreciate about Winspire because you want the client to make as much money as possible and retain Always. the dollar. Always. But, yeah, and it's, and it's amazing. Sometimes you can't do that, though, and that's okay. You know, you need to have a package, especially when you have an audience that has the capacity to pay. You want to provide them something they couldn't just go and pick up. I love using consignment items for that exact reason, because when you have those people that are saying, we spent so much time on this and we just aren't finding anything, giving them the means to say, you know what, rest assured and you can go home and sleep really well tonight that I have someone I can introduce you to. And when I introduce them, my experience with Winspire, I send an email at 11 o'clock at night, one o'clock at night or one o'clock in the morning because I'm a, I'm a night owl. owl. <laughs> My Winspire guy is Tom Suma. Yep. He's responding right behind me. And I'm like, dude, he's awesome. Tom has no life. Tom still lives with his mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, darn, Tom. Uh, we love Tom. Yeah. He, he's one of our top associates here at Win, Winspire. And uh, it's funny because he covers my market up in Canada as well, TK. And, and I have the same experience with Tom. Uh, what I personally enjoy about working with Winspire, and in fairness, you know, there are other companies out there providing consignment packages, travel consignment packages. But the nice thing about Winspire is their con concierge service um, when you know if, if we all agree as event organizers or event planners that we need to have some travel uh, in our live auction it's a big difference when you have mr. and mrs. Smith or mr. and mrs. donor give their lake cabin for a weekend at the lake once that sells now what happens your buyer has to get in touch with mr. and mrs. Smith and they've got to make the arrangements and the onus is on the Smiths to organize everything the nice thing about Winspire packages once you sell them that's it your hands are clean of it because the concierge here takes over deals with your buyer looks after all the organizational details if there are any problems that arise the concierge is right there 24 7 to deal with them and we all know that you know what can happen when we're out there traveling and relying on airlines and, and the rest of it. But uh, the other thing, too, that I enjoy, and TK, you and I talked about this in uh, St. Petersburg, is working with the consignments, is that you can sell multiples. And this is always something I point out to my clients. There's always far more money in the room than what you expect. And mm -hmm. a perfect example is if you have an item that sells for $500, chances are that you had your second high bidder with $400. And what happened to that money? It probably walks out the door at the end of the night. But when you're selling the, the consignment packages, we can go to that $400 bidder, get them to come up if they want to $500 and take an identical package. And you can do that as many times as you want when you're working with consignment. So, you know, we know you don't want too much consignment in your live auction item, but you should always, in your live auction, I should say, but you always want a few. What's your recommendation to your clients? First question maybe is how many items should you have in your live auction and then what percentage of that should you have as consignment? In an ideal world, 12 items would be the absolute most that someone would have in their auction. Eight is what I'm seeing is more typical. And when they do consignment items, I always recommend that they find someone to underwrite at least one of the items because yeah, you're going to get plain money. Great idea. So explain underwrite for people that don't know what you're talking about there. And let's say that they want to take the Winspire trip and go see Hamilton in New York City. And that cost is $37,000 or $3,700. <laughs> and at the $3,700, they're like, well, we don't, we don't know that people are going to pay for this. Well, here's how we'll figure that out. 
let's get an underwriter, someone who's going to come in and pay that cost. And when we put that in our program, when we have it on our PowerPoint, this item is brought to you. This item has been powered by this, you know, if it's a play, this item has been, you know, I don't know any cool play lingo, lingo so <laughs> nothing I can throw in there. Um, but whatever play on words that you want to use to say that this item was essentially paid for, but we're going to say sponsored by, you know, astounding auctions. And that means that when they sell that first item, they don't have to worry about how much it sells for. So let's say for some reason your audience did not have that capacity and the item only sells for $3,500, you're okay. But when that magical moment happens and the item sells for $8,000, you have, you've already started off in the black. Right. You can sell another one. And even though you may have to pay for it, it's okay because you sold, you sold well over the consignment cost or the reserve. Yeah, no, that's and, we, we that's something we absolutely recommend uh, to all of our clients and, and all auctioneers as far as selling multiples uh, and and then also uh, getting them underwritten. It's a great thing for you know law offices, dentists, doctors in your community. They don't really have a, a sexy item to donate to the to the uh, the cause, but they still want to participate and get recognized, right? And it's it's a good thing for them to be able to see uh, you know their down payment of whatever three four thousand dollars turn into something much bigger usually, right? Because usually it's going to go for for a lot more than that. Exactly, and, and that's and you're right. It usually goes for more. Yeah, and I've had situations in my market too where uh, I've had uh, multiple underwriters. So you get a, a dental office, a law office, and maybe a third company to team up, and the three of them oh, great idea. will, yeah, the three of them will will uh, sponsor, say, that trip to New York with tickets to Hamilton. Well, that's great. Well, TK, I tell you, we we could talk to you all day long, but I know you're sitting on the side of the road right now, speaking to us on your phone. You just landed a few minutes ago, uh, just having uh, just arrived back home in Austin, Texas, from the Benefit Auctioneer Summit in St. Petersburg, Florida, where I had the chance to uh, once again meet and chat with you. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate you joining us on the show here today. And I hope that people will reach out to you. Uh, you obviously are just a, what's the right word? Uh, fireball. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Spark yeah. plug. I don't Spark know. Plug. Uh, I can tell a maven. I uh, want to come down and see yeah. one of your events. I will volunteer my time to come down and be one of your ringmen at your events just to watch you work because it sounds like your events are a lot of fun. So where can people contact you if they want to reach out and uh, get you in to look after their auction? If they would, go to my website, and that's www.astoundingauctions.com, or they can give a call at 512-200-2471. Perfect. Okay, we've got it. And we'll put that information in with our show notes as well. Did you have any uh, special offers that you wanted to make to our listeners here on Events with Benefits today? Absolutely. I want to challenge organizations that are doing fundraisers, and especially in a gala setting, and they are not using an auctioneer at all, or they have not used a benefit auctioneer specialist to call me. Let's do a consultation. I'll give you some solutions to your to some of your most painful problems that you're having on event night and let's see how that goes um they can call me they can go to the website and send me an inquiry there and i'd be delighted to talk to them go through the process help them either start having an auction or help them figure out how to better theirs fantastic so you give you'll offer a free consultation Yes. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a phone call the next time I'm stuck on something, and I do get stuck. <laughs> I get a I get a wheel in the mud once in a while, and I don't know what to do. 
Well, TK, great, great talking to you today, and uh, we really appreciate your time. Thank you, TK. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Danny. And thank you, Renee. Y'all have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show this week. For show notes, special offers, or to listen to previous episodes, you can visit us at eventswithbenefits.com. Please also consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and write us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at hosts at eventswithbenefits.com. We'll see you next time. <laughs>